0: Welcome to the Arts Entrepreneurship Podcast, Making Art Work. We highlight how entrepreneurs align their artistry, passion, and vision to create and pursue opportunities to capture value in the arts. The views expressed by guests on the Arts Entrepreneurship Podcast are solely their own and do not necessarily represent the views of the podcast or its hosts. The appearance of a guest on the podcast, the venture they represent, or reference to any product or service does not imply an endorsement or recommendation by the podcast or its hosts. The content provided is for entertainment and informational purposes only and does not constitute business advice. Here are your hosts, Andy Heiss and Nick Petrella. Hello, podcast listeners. My name is Andy Heiss. And I'm Nick Petrella.
1: Martin Cespedes is joining us today. He's a professional dancer and theatrical choreographer who has performed on Broadway tours of shows such as Man of La Mancha, The King and I, and South Pacific. He's also danced at the Kennedy Center with the Washington National Opera, as well as in concert performances with Earth, Wind, and Fire and the Bee Gees. As a choreographer, his credits include musicals at Porthouse Theater, Cleveland Musical Theater, the Great Lakes Theater, and the St. Louis Repertory Theater. Martine is a proud member of the Stage Directors and Choreographers Society and the Actors' Equity Association. Glad you could spend time with us today, Martine.
2: Hey, this is, uh, is going to be fun. <laughs> it's going to be a good time.
1: Excellent. Well, let's begin by having you tell us where you're from and when you started to dance professionally.
2: Um, I'm from New York City. I grew up on uh, 21st and 8th Avenue, to be exact, Um, on the west side of uh, Manhattan. And I started dancing, you know, out of elementary school. There was a program that was uh, for kids, believe it or not. And I got plucked. I mean, it's, you know, Plymouth Rock landed on me as opposed, you know, (laughs) I so it was like, I got picked and, you know, this guy named Jacques Tembois saw me and that's where it all began. You know, he said, you know, he had us doing these, drills running across the gymnasium and all that and he just looked at us and he was the he was the principal dancer with American Ballet Theater and in films like Carousel and he was this 6 foot one incredible prince of a guy and uh he saw me and said, you know, you have some potential. Why don't you have your mom bring you to, you know, to Lincoln Center and have you, you know, dance. So, yeah, I kind of I did it in hiding for a long time. I mean, I had my tights hidden in my coat, you know, the whole bit, you know. But uh, I started pretty young, and then from there, it just moved on.
3: How many shows would you say that you've choreographed at this point?
2: Well, wow, that's a fabulous (laughs) question. Uh, You know, what's funny is...
3: I'm asking because I was reading your... (laughs) Looking at your, your list. I found a list somewhere on the website, and I'm sure it's not comprehensive. And I was thoroughly impressed by yeah. all those. shows. So do you have well, any idea?
2: I I don't I started really choreographing stuff and believe it or not in in 1976 I was doing okay. stuff at that age, you know, and uh wow. professionally in 77 I was uh I was on a show, believe it or not. Uh <laughs> it was a disco show that was uh that was called Dance Fever out of Hollywood. And I was there in 78 and 79 and you had people like Eric Estrada, Melba Moore, Olivia Newton-John as judges. And uh, it's, it was very surreal because it was Merv Griffin Studios. And I had choreographed my own, you know, routine for my partner and me at the time. So I'm, I'm going to say if I, you know, I asked my my partner and she said, you know, that list goes on. You probably have hundreds and hundreds of shows. I think I've directed now like 50, like over 50 shows that I've directed and choreographed, yeah. you know, and so it's a long list.
3: This it's a, it's a huge list. And with that many different shows, how do you, um, how do you continue to find inspiration for every show? Or is it kind of a balance of inspiration and just kind of get the job done sort of
2: um, approach? You know, it's, it's this fire in the belly for me, you know, I, it's the process, it's the timeline that I have to, you know, I love working with the with the with the wolves of the clock, you know, at my ankles, mm-hmm. you know. I love being able to challenge myself working in a different environment, you know, whether it's the stage is different, the sets are creatively challenging for you at times, you know. Mm-hmm. How am I gonna have this guy dance on a bar in right. a scene, in a film, you know? So um I love the challenges and I quite honestly that process. Gets excited every time I read that script. If I get a script that, you know, especially lately, I've been getting wonderful scripts, you know, sent to me and and wonderful projects. Um, so I don't think I've, you know, I just simply wouldn't be there anymore if I if I wasn't as happy as I am. I'm still I'm still that kid, you know, sleeping on the fire escape, watching West Side sure. Story. You know, <laughs>
1: that's great. When did you change your focus from dancing? to theatrical choreography, or or have you always done both concurrently?
2: Um, I've always done both. Um, and, you know, my friend called me, and he's a television actor, and he said, you know, if you if you get the nod to get back on stage and do eight shows a week, could you do it? And I said, the pleasure I have of being in that condition almost takes the pain away. You know, there's other challenges. There's other... You know, it's like being able to turn the lens and now me paint from the outside in as opposed to being being part of the paint. You know, so mm-hmm. it, it's really um that's good. I don't miss it because I feel like I'm when I'm in a studio with these young actors and they're flying through space. It I don't feel any different. You know, it's it's a Peter Pan thing, maybe. You know, I don't miss it as much. I really don't.
3: Did you have any mentors who helped you find your way as a dancer, choreographer, director? Well, you know, not really.
2: What what I did have was I was always the young cat in the room, the young, young guy. And I was in there with, you know, Academy Award winner, Tony winner, Emmy winner, Grammy winners. And I mean, You know, you could see my whole back wall is is all you know all these guys I worked with, and they became mentors in each show because I watched uh, how they rehearsed. I watched that they always brought a head full of ideas. They became part of the collaborative process, Um, and I got to say, you know, my parents instilled that you know that immigrant ethic that they came from that you got to outwork the room and you got to represent. And you got to bring as much to the game, you know, being on time is not good enough. You have to be beyond prepared. So that pressure was always there at times. And thank goodness that work ethic is as well. Yeah, yeah. for sure.
1: So you've worked on stage, you've been in concerts, as, as I said earlier, with Earth, Wind and Fire, you've been on TV. Does the venue size you're in determine how you use the space when dancing or working on choreography? And if so, how?
2: Absolutely. Um, for instance, the Hannah Theater is called a thrust. That means you have audience on three sides. So your mm-hmm. choreography almost has to, you know, you can't, mm-hmm. you, you almost have to showcase it to the angle. You have to play what it's called quasi. You have to bend all the angles so that wraps around. Um, some venues are just proscenium, so they're just a box that you're looking at and it's pretty flat. Um, If you're doing something on the round or alley staging, alley staging is literally audience on both sides and it looks like a runway. And I did a 1930s called wild party uh, show there. So you almost have to work both sides of the audience and the choreography has to always evolve and change so that you're Mm -hmm. seeing it. So no one's getting cheated out of seeing, you know, the -hmm. storytelling. You're kind of that you know I don't want to say you're 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 trapped in that space but you're not you almost have to paint from a different angle and you almost have to approach it as if you know the audience is around you as opposed to film which uh you know I just finished working on this film and the difference there is that camera hovers and it moves you know you could be dancing straight out let's say I'm I'm dancing toward you but there's two guys running with handheld cameras all over the place and all you can do is pray that the editing is going to be gorgeous you know that's so that's so you're at the back of that of that camera and that editor yeah yeah
1: well you know this it made me think of a follow-up question what's your process or approach to choreography and you know meaning does does what helps you determine how the dancers move
2: um basically i'm i it's the narrative you know, I, I have to almost inhabit, I have to get in the hide of that actor. I have to figure out what he's trying to say, what the storytelling is about. Um, a Great example to that is is uh, I was doing West Side Story in 1988. Uh, Bibi Noworth played Anita and she was coming off of Cheers. She was working on mm-hmm. Cheers and she, she came in, she was a spitfire, but the director was Jerome Robbins' assistant. And uh, he grabbed me once, and he told. He looked right at me because I, I was this young brash guy that was gonna, gonna add more to the choreography. I was gonna, I was gonna do jujitsu choreography, <laughs> and uh, add more turns. And he looked right at me. And he goes, you know, either you tell me a story or you get out of the room. And he had me leave the room. And I can remember sitting in the hallway and this coffee percolator, all I can hear was the coffee percolator Mm -hmm. and thinking, man, I lost this. I'm never going to work in this business again. You know, I'm out. Um, And, and Jerome Robbins people had the power to dismiss you and fire you. They had cameras that they would send tapes back to New York. Mm So for his approval. And uh, I remember that, you know, Richard Caceres had passed away shortly after that. But that story about don't get in the way of the story. Tell me the story. That's what you're here to do. The narrative is, is, is king. You're, you're an instrument of the storytelling. So Before you got always, an education that day. Yeah, I sure did. Right? I sure did. But, but that's one of those things that today I tell every young guy, every young person that I work with, don't get in the way of the story. I don't care about the acrobatics of you kicking your earrings off. Tell me what the story is about. So that kind of, you know, it did. It was an education. It's a lifelong uh, credo I live with now. You know, yeah, it it did
1: turn out okay, right?
2: It turned out wonderfully, and you know what? That was Great. those were pearls, man. And I miss him very much. But he gave me a master class in sixty seconds.
3: <laughs> yeah. Well, and it's it's you know it, it's. Creativity requires some boundaries, right? So whether it's the stage or the story or whatever, um, creating within those boundaries is what you know enables that creative process. Absolutely, absolutely.
2: Yeah. And, and I think for me, also casting is casting is king. It's sure. who you bring into the game. You know, you know who you're going to be in that foxhole with for two weeks or six weeks. Yeah. And if you and if you know, and it's happened where you cast. Some of the wrong energy, and it's gonna it's gonna shift the room, you know. So it's who's in that room with you, and who's gonna keep calm under fire, you know. And that's for me, it's casting. I'm as good as the team around me, you know. And that's and pretty much the actors as well.
1: Yeah, now imagine it, it shifts the room, but it also shifts outside the room. Yeah, when you yeah. Work rehearsals and interacting with people at dinners absolutely
2: right. and it's on tour that's that's surprisingly that's one of the things uh producers and casting agents do is they look at who who's able to do eight shows a week get on a bus on uh on monday go to the airport and go to another city 26 cities in you know in a year's time you don't know where you're at anymore you know the same set. you don't know am i in st louis am i in right. reno <laughs> And so you don't, you know, people people can can be, you know, can be moody. So they really look for that demeanor and for yeah. those people that are going to, you know, be calm and, you know, because it is, it's in the negative space where theater lives. It's not when you're on stage, it's in the hotel room or walking down the street, you know, it's, yeah. you gotta, you yeah. gotta know how to have some really calm, own meditational people that, you know.
1: Yeah, you made me think of a story. I was, many years ago, not going to mention the place or the tour, but it was a national tour, and you know they bring in basically a rhythm section and then they hire everyone else, right, Mm -hmm. when you're Mm -hmm. you're playing. So I was playing percussion on this. The music director gets up, basically says, look, and I'll clean it up for you. I just got off of a bus. I don't want to read this more than once. Yeah, uh, let's go. Right. And yep. You can just see. It's like, oh, that set the tone.
2: <laughs> yeah, it is. And and and, you know, he's probably been on that bus for quite some time, you know, and exactly. Traveling is a monster, you know, especially, you know, on the road.
3: And you did that for a while, right? Uh, you're you're per- currently based out of out of the Cleveland, uh, Ohio area. But uh, there was a time where you were doing some national touring, right?
2: I was doing a lot of national touring. Um, I, I think like for like four national tours in, in whole, but it's the long, you know, the, those long tours, the tours that just seem to go on and on. Um, yeah, I was in King and I, I did the national tour of King and I, and that ran for over a year. Um, mm-hmm. West Side Story, South Pacific, um, you know, and smaller regional tours. So, sure. but the long ones are, you know, it's like the circus Ringling Brothers coming to town, you know, with, with yeah. like eight buses, you know, eight, eight trucks full of sets and, you know, and, yeah. and you see the process, you learn a lot about watching the show mechanically, you know, how, how the, how the sausage is made, so to speak, <laughs> you know, you see the behind the scenes and how many people are, behind those scenes, making you look good. You know, it's one of those things that you have an appreciation for the process itself, the technicians, the creatives, you know. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I'm, I'm happy to say that I have no desire to get back on the road. And I love living where I'm living. I love having, you know, this, the calmness. And, uh, and I get in my car, you know, the furthest I'm going to drive is 50 miles to Kent to rehearse for Porthouse. At the moment, you know, so, (laughs) yeah.
3: yeah. So at what point did you decide to kind of stay put? Was there something that happened or was it just you're tired of touring or?
2: I think I was, I think I was tired of touring. And I think what I wanted to do is establish myself more on the other side of the table production wise. You know, I, uh, uh, my union SDC union has helped me a lot with that because they they were saying man you have incredible credits he goes why don't you start painting it now you know you know you've worked for some of the great people in the business why don't you start creating your own legacy here now because you could do it and uh so they gave me you know they they gave me some inspiration and I thought man it's fun to to be able to do a show and have the flexibility to move to another venue or to another theater and start a new project, as opposed to have to live in that theater for the next 12 weeks or so.
3: Sure.
1: You know, that kind of touches upon the next question. So you've been in the business for many years. Do you get gigs because of personal relationships you've built or do you have to submit materials? How does that work?
2: Um, I, I, it's all recommendation now for me. Um, i if i'm really after something that i really challenge myself to do such as uh work on an opera or work on a film i'll reach out to certain people through uh friends of mine who say Mm -hmm. you know this is the casting agent for uh dancing with the stars they may need a choreographer for next season you know Mm -hmm. look into that send them you know but most of it is coming you know i got a feature film offer basically because i had worked with this young actor who played Seymour in uh, mm. in uh, yeah, Oh Little my Shop God, I can't Horses, even think. So. Little Shop of Horrors, <laughs> yeah. And he is now uh, Keith Gercheck. He is now a director and writer in Hollywood. And he said, "I just got green lit for this film that's going to film all around Cleveland. And would you be able to storyboard a dream sequence in a bar over <laughs> by the West Side Market?" for Dennis Haysbert and Dennis Haysbert wow. was Pedro Serrano in major league. And he, the voice of all state and oh, yeah. he played the president. with we keep her, Well, he was at, he was in my house and we were working together before I introduced him to the sixth dancer that danced with them. So that came from a show I had worked on in the nineties. All of a sudden oh, wow. I get that call. So it's like, you know, I don't know. Is that currently
1: it, filming, or has it, when it, was it that?
2: just it just wrapped and and uh, it's gonna? I think it's gonna premiere at the uh, at I forgot what film festival. I saw the trailer and it's pretty amazing. Uh, oh, cool. Who else is that? Uh, who else is uh, Martin Sheen? Uh, it's a list of people that are in it. Tom Hanks was supposed to do it originally, but he during the pandemic when they were working oh. on it he uh, he had okay. to leave. But it's like an all-star cast. It's a it's definitely a postcard to Cleveland. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah. I
1: will have to link to that. You know, yes, link to the trailer. Absolutely.
3: So, is all the work you do then um, sounds like it's mostly like a independent contractor? So just contract, contract, or have have you or have you ever worked as an employee for for a company?
2: No, it's um, all the theaters. For instance, if Great Lakes hires me or. Playhouse Square, any theater like that. It's an SDC contract. Um, you know, so it's an independent contractor. Yeah. Yeah. I just finished a, a series of master classes at Hawken yesterday. They wrapped with young high school kids and, uh, and they wanted, you know, they hired me to come in and work to teach them Broadway choreography, so to speak, you know, from different shows. And, um, and that was a independent contract, you know? sure. so, But most of yeah. them are like that because it has to go said, through the union.
3: Okay, so that that's what, And so, does the union um, set you know scale pay or whatever for that type of a that for a gig that is whatever, um, whatever parameters are on that show?
2: They do. They they sometimes go from the ticket uh, the ticket prices okay. and the seating, and they okay. kind of calculate what the what the base you know but the base salary for that is and what right. goes in what goes into pension and health cuz gotcha. it's got you know you got to take care of that now these days too so that sure. goes back to that absolutely yeah. yeah
0: thanks for listening if you like this podcast please subscribe visit artsentrepreneurshippodcast.com to learn more about our guest and how you can help support artists the arts and this podcast